NFL brand new season of the Mazda Road to Indy now underway. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first episode of the new Road to Indy Insider Podcast. My name is Rob Howden. I uh, do the play-by-play for the, the Road to Indy, as well as numerous karting events uh, around the country. So uh, I had the unique opportunity to get a chance to see these young drivers come from the very uh, lowest karting ranks, cadet drivers, 8, 9, 10 years of age. Watch them work their way through the ladder system, through the Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires, and eventually into the Verizon IndyCar series. This new podcast designed to really take a look at the events that we've just seen, the most recent race, and then kind of preview the next one coming along as well. We're going to interview a number of drivers on the road to Indy. We're going to interview people in the industry, in the paddock. Just take the opportunity to really focus on this entire Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Unveil some stories for you. Really get give you maybe some insight into some of these young drivers that are coming up the ranks. Because if you're a Verizon IndyCar Series fan, you're seeing these new kids come into the program. The Ed Jones, Gabby Chavez, uh, Zach Veach. We're seeing uh, graduates like Kyle Kaiser get a chance to, to race as well. The Max Chiltons that we've seen come through the Road to Indy and, of course, honing their skills in the Indy Lights program before making the jump to the big series. Uh, You know what? The season underway. This particular episode, this very first podcast, will essentially be a review of what happened in St. Petersburg, and I'll take the the time to preview what's happening this coming weekend at Barber Motorsports Park as well. As you all know, the season now officially underway. All three series firing up just over a month ago at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Uh, this coming weekend, again, the Indy Lights and Pro Mazda cars will be at Barber Motorsports Park. USF 2000, a bit of a layoff. They won't be back on track until the IndyCar Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course in May. So those drivers just absolutely itching to get back behind the wheel. Some of them doing some testing in other programs just to get some more seat time. But nonetheless, we're looking forward to getting all three of the programs back on track together at the GP. If we look at USF 2000, all we can do really here is review what we saw at St. Petersburg. Race number one, the wild start that I expected. We can sit and talk to these guys and girls as much as possible and tell them that you can't win the championship in turn number one. And we could tell them that it's so super dirty down the bottom of the racetrack because you never go down there during practice and qualifying. And there's paint down there. And it's unbelievably dirty. But that doesn't really matter. When we get there, when we throw green, and it's the start of the new season, someone's inevitably going down the inside. And and we saw that again. There was a bunch of chaos. Uh, The driver, actually, who ended up getting damaged the most was Igor Fraga. And it really wasn't even his fault. Someone got into the back of him. He ended up going around. Uh, I believe uh, Manuel Cabrera was involved as well. Um, Oscar de Luzuriaga was involved. Nonetheless, what it did do was it kind of restacked everybody. Kyle Kirkwood for Cape Motorsports did a fantastic job uh, on the restart, able to get out in front, and was able to stretch away. Uh, a number of his contenders actually got penalized for uh, for jumping that restart, including Alex Barron for Swan RJB Motorsports, a driver we expect to, to be unbelievably impressive throughout this year. Kirkwood ends up winning the first race of the season, which I think for Kyle, very important. You want to get that first one under, you know, under your belt, he, of course, such good friends with Oliver Askew. He watched what Oliver did last year and has that pathway uh, running for Cape Motorsports that he does have an opportunity to really to follow in the footsteps of his friend and try to win the championship. Scoring that first podium, that first race win out of the box, I think was big for Kyle Kirk with the young American. Jose Sierra, oh, I think we're really going to be watching him this year for DE Force. 
the whole DE Force team was really impressive uh, at St. Petersburg. They came out of the box looking very good. The team uh, looks fantastic in the paddock. You know, from, from everything I'm hearing, the organization's so strong at DE Force. And I think a kid like Jose Sierra, with so much talent, will be able to lead uh, that entire crew. And they've got some great drivers under the, uh, the tent as well. As well, Darren Keene able to stay out of trouble. Started deeper in the field, but he raced his way forward, stayed out of trouble, and showed some of that maturity he got from racing a number of events in USF 2000 last year. Keene, for Newman Walks Racing, ends up rounding out the podium, his first career podium on the Mazda Road to Indy. Give it up for Igor Fraga. After that spin, he, of course, gets got back going in the restart. Fraga, for exclusive autosport, puts his head down, drives his way back to eighth position, and... You know, when we look at championships, you never really look at what's happening in the first couple of weekends. We always see how important it is later on. You know, when we get down to those August races, uh, when we get to mid-Ohio, the triple header, that's when we start thinking points. Well, we may look back if Igor Fraga finds himself in the middle of a championship battle and say that comeback in race number one could be what put him in the championship contention. I think a really great run for, for Igor. Race number two after the Verizon IndyCar Series event on Sunday. Um, Alex Barron coming back big time after that issue-filled race number one. As I said, he got a penalty for jumping the start. It was a drive-through. He gets back going again, and he actually sets fast lap coming back through the field, but he was most definitely hanging it all out on the ragged edge. He taps the wall and ends up uh, out of the race, which was tough for him. On Sunday, Alex showed the pace and the maturity that we would expect from a guy with the experience that he has. Alex Barron, not new to the Mount Mazda Road, Dandy, ran in 2014. I believe he was a winner in Houston in USF 2000. He won as well at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. He then, the next year, came and ran Indy Lights with, with uh, Bellardi Auto Racing and actually scored a win in Toronto. It was then where he had some visa issues, wasn't able to come back. So you got a kid who for all intents and purposes, could have challenged for the Indy Lights Championship that year in 2015, and we don't see him back here until 2018. He's kind of pressing the reset button on his career, and I think that with Swan RGB, working with Merle Swan and that crew, and Alex Barron as the driver coach, not to make it any more confusing, Alex Barron the driver coach, Alex Barron the driver, um, I think that he is going to be strong everywhere. In, in talking to team managers, they know it. They know that Alex is going to be really good, and he's going to be absolutely tough to beat. So he comes back, dominates the race, and essentially just walks away uh, to another USF 2000 victory, which keeps him in the championship hunt. Igor Fraga, I talked about him in race number one, no issues at all this time, started second, got out of that opening lap chaos, and boom, second all the way to the end. It was a great run for Igor, his first podium in USF 2000. I think there'll be a lot of them uh, for that young driver out of Brazil. Lucas Cole rebounding as well. Uh, Lucas uh, for Pabst Racing. He got a jump start penalty just as Alex Barron did in race number one. He comes back, qualifies well. And in what was not really a very chaotic race, drivers were able to get out front and, and race their way to the finish. Uh, Lucas Cole back on the podium uh, like he was last year at Road America. Good run for all those drivers. If we just overview what we saw in USF 2000 at St. Petersburg, Bottom line was extremely good racing and much less carnage than we saw in years past. You know, we had talked to a lot of these drivers, you know, team owners, coaches. Everybody talks to these kids about the fact that it's so tough at St. Petersburg. It's the first race of the year. Everybody's fired up. They all come out of the box wanting to, to prove themselves, show what they've got. And it's a tough place to do it. And I think we all know that. It's, it's really, 
it's really a precarious place to take the young drivers for the very first time. The concrete canyon, as we call it, walls everywhere, no runoff. Just one little mistake, and, and you know, you're in the wall, you've ripped off a couple of corners, you've cost yourself a bunch of your budget for the year. I think a lot of these drivers really took that uh, that input, you know, that coaching um, to heart and said, you know what, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little smarter. I'm not going to make as, as many dumb moves. I'm maybe, I'm maybe not going to push the issue. And I think that resulted in better racing and more seat time for everybody. I'm happy with that. Uh, overall, the initial titled contenders definitely made themselves known. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood's going to be in it. Uh, Alex Barron, Jose Sierra, Igor Fraga. There's a lot of other drivers that were right there. Jamie Caroline had a couple of good runs. Caitlin Frederick was up and down. I think there's a lot of drivers that can still step up and challenge for the championship, but just those four I threw out there were guys that made it to the podium and, and really were able to have good runs. We'll see what happens when they get back on track at Indianapolis, but the bottom line is when it comes to the points uh, championships, Kirkwood's out to a solid start on the year, again, following in the footsteps of Oliver Askew. Uh, Barron, a big rebound, currently sits fourth in the points with that uh, big race two win. And you got to give it up for Sierra and Fraga, as I said. Both drivers consistent, especially Fraga coming from deep in the field after that issue at the start of race number one. They both get a couple of top tens uh, highlighted by a pair of runner-up finishes. So in the end, uh, for USF 2000, you just got some guys that showed experience. They showed maturity, some poise, uh, and eventually we were able to come away with good results. When we get to the road course at Indianapolis, a little more wide open. There's some walls, of course, but a lot of long straightaways with hard braking, which should kind of separate some of the men from the boys uh, when we start going hardcore at it. So again, USF 2000 off to a fantastic start here for 2018. Pro Mazda is going to be a great season. 16 cars. Uh, we're excited to see the Mutatis PM18. It really did uh, show extremely well coming out of the box. Probably couldn't ask for too much more in terms of uh, that new race car. Uh, the new 280 horsepower uh, Mazda MZR was strong as well. Um, we said hello to a brand new engine format and goodbye to the old Mazda rotary engine that was used for so many years in Star Mazda and Pro Mazda. Uh, to be honest, uh, you kind of missed that rotary note. Those of you who are Mazda fans uh, would love the sound of the old the old uh, rotary. But for certain, there was just a, a great new sense of excitement. That new car, that new technology. I think everybody unbelievably excited. We know going in that with this the new horsepower and the new aero and the, all the downforce and we're going to be breaking records wherever we go. This new car broke the existing track record at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg by over two seconds. The past record was a 110.3 held by Connor Daly from back in 2010. New record set by Oliver Askew, a 108.1. So over two seconds, uh, the gap there in the new track record. Interesting in Pro Mazda, five different drivers on the two podiums representing three teams. Junkos Racing looking very good. Three podiums, of course, the two race wins uh, with Renus VK. Let's jump into the race and have a look at the, uh, the review of the race at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Crazy start, just like USF 2000. I expected it. Away we went. We're going green. And in comes Harrison Scott driving the new car for uh, RP Motorsport, the brand new team that's come to join the program this year. He makes a bid for the lead, going into turn one, down to the bottom, into the dirty air, Oliver Askew, the pole sitter, is coming across to defend as well. 
you know, probably just got caught up in the action. Harrison was coming so strong, Oliver went deep as well. Harrison blows right through the apex, totally misses it, but so did Oliver. And that was, I think, kind of the crazy thing. You might have expected Oliver might have checked up and just tucked underneath. But, you know, again, like I said, caught up in it. He's got a guy blasting by him. you got to figure you got to try to outbreak him. And he really just outbroke himself as well. This allowed Parker Thompson, who has more experience, considerable experience. This is his fourth year running at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Started back in USF 2000 with JDC Motorsports. Moved to Cape. And, of course, last year as well with exclusive, exclusive Autosport. He does the over-under. He comes out at turn number one uh, with the lead. Uh, stark contrast to a couple years ago when he was taken out by Jordan Kane going into turn number one his first year uh, with Cape Motorsports for Parker. So out goes Parker Thompson, veteran, uh, savvy, uh, very uh, poised and very patient. He's out there and he's smoking the field. Essentially, for all intents and purposes, it's Parker Thompson's race. The problem is late race caution. We back everybody up. That nice little gap that Parker developed, gone. So we go into a restart. And I think anybody who wa has ever watched a race either live or on Facebook or on the Verizon IndyCar series, series coverage on ABC, the, the rundown to turn number one on a restart always blows everything out of the water. Parker got a good jump off the final corner, but Renus VK really was in there. He, he got close enough to use that draft and was able to get by to go on the inside on the restart. Once that happened, he was able to pu uh, pull away. Renus VK ends up getting the win. Tough one for Parker Thompson. He led uh, for majority of the race. He ends up taking second still, so some solace there with a good runner-up finish. And Robert McGinnis, this year running for Uncos Racing, able to get back on to, up to third. He ends up on the podium again, like he did last year, his uh, first win on the Mazda Road to Indy when he uh, won the opening round in USF 2000. It was bad luck for Parker Thompson, but a massive opportunity for Renus VK to take advantage of that restart and grab the race win. Race number two, start was pretty wild. If you watched it online, or if you can still, you can go watch it on uh, roadtoindy.tv. Um, miscommunication between the race control and the flag stand. They come out onto the front straightaway, and the green flag flies early. Either whether it was early or the front row was obviously caught napping. They weren't ready at all. They get absolutely swallowed by the field. Another big run for Harrison Scott. He's able to go around and take the lead. We run a couple laps. But then they throw the, the yellow flag, the double yellow, essentially the red flag. We reset. Um, tough for anybody that was jumping and was ready and was actually watching the flag. Uh, the front row guys were not, obviously. They got, uh, they got jumped. We reset everything. Start again. VK making no mistake. Takes the lead off the green. And he walks away. Uh, David Malukas. Uh, last year running as a debut season in USF 2000. was pretty impressive uh, for BN Racing this weekend. was very consistent, showed good speed. Uh, he finished a, a strong second, which was a good way to cap off his weekend. And Hunkos Racing's Carlos Cunha, Acuna uh, was third. Um, if we look at the points, kind of have a look at the overview of the points of the weekend, uh, a big sweep for Renus VK. He now leads by 19 points over Parker Thompson. Uh, Thompson's consistency puts him second. Uh, solid run for him. Uh, Carlos Cunha, exactly the same. Just one point behind Parker. He showed the consistency, as did David Malukas. He's only four points behind. So a big lead for Renus VK, but Thompson, Cunha, and Malukas separated by just four points, all total. So it's going to be exciting to see what these drivers do when we go to, to Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, Cunha, a pair of top fours. Malukas, a seventh and a second, came on strong in the second half. Uh, Stingray Robin, uh, uh, Idaho, his second year, 
in the Pro Mazda Championship. Also, unbelievably consistent. Top six results. Sixth in the first race. Improves to fourth uh, in race uh, number two. So, again, we'll see him kind of settle in. I think all uh, I think Stingray is really starting to get a good grip. His first year with, with Team Pelfrey. I think he'll be one to watch as well. Oliver Askew, your reigning USF 2000 champion. Uh, not the result he wanted. I think he was looking to follow in the footsteps of Anthony Martin and come in and kind of sweep the weekend. At least have a better result. Not bad. He ends up sixth in the standings, fifth and sixth in the races. But after qualifying on the pole on the opening race, I don't think Oliver will be overly pleased with that result. He'll be happy to get over to Barber Motorsports Park uh, and go racing again where he did so well, sweeping the weekend last year in USF 2000. Let's preview Barber Motorsports Park for Pro Mazda. Again, it's going to be a, a pretty great battle. Uh, we know the, the track record is going to be broken. Let's lay out the, the target right now. Current record held by Spencer Piggott from 2014, at 120.249. I expect that to fall pretty quickly. Uh, Pro Mazda didn't run there last year uh, at Barber in that shorter schedule they ran for the last year with the old car. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I would expect it to fall. I think it's going to fall everywhere we go. This new PM18, just such a badass piece of machinery. In racing, we talk so much about momentum. And I think that when a driver is able to, you know, knock that first race win out, uh, especially to start a season, you get that monkey off your back. So, Renus VK is going to come in there with an absolutely full steam of confidence. Uh, he's feeling good. Uh, he was strong, won both races, has the point lead. Actually got a chance to test the Euro Formula Open car uh, at Urez with Fortec Racing. I think getting back in a car, different car, which will keep him sharp. I think uh, he'll come out of the box strong when we hit the ground running uh, at Barber Motorsports Park. I think Askew's going to come in strong as well. As I said, he he swept at Barber last year. Got a good feel for the racetrack. Really, really likes it. Parker Thompson uh, was strong last year as well, was on the podium uh, in race number one. This is a guy that knows how to get the job done at Barber as well. So those two drivers, with the experience they have, the success they've had at Barber, will come in there with another level of confidence as well. One thing I did just find out, which is kind of sad, uh, hearing that James Raven uh, will not be running the DE Force PM18 for Barber Motorsports Park. He was not on the entry list. Instead, he'll be replaced, at least this weekend. I haven't been able to confirm whether or not this will happen for the remainder of the season. But USF 2000 uh, driver Corey Enders, of course, has the weekend off. USF 2000 not back on track until the race at I IMS. He's going to drive for DE Force at, uh, at Alabama. Again, unsure why Raven's not with us. I'll, I've reached out to him. We'll hopefully be able to provide some information uh, once we get to the track uh, on Friday morning. Again, Pro Mazda, great start. Incredible drivers. 16 cars in the field with a brand new race car. I don't think uh, Danny Anderson and the crew could ask for much more than the way that program has launched here for 2018. All right, let's cap off this first episode of the Road to Indy Insider podcast with a look at Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires. Uh, bottom line for most in the paddock, everybody just wants to see more cars. We just, you know, we had nine cars at at uh, at St. Petersburg. Uh, Alfonso Celeste was, uh, Celeste rather, was supposed to join us. I wasn't able to get the licensing handled. He will be back. The, the biggest issue coming into this, this next weekend is we're not going to have Team Pelfrey, I'm told. They're not going to be on the grid for Barber Motorsports Park, which drops us down to eight cars, which is the lowest it's been in a long time. We know that there are a lot of people that want to get into Indy Lights. And there's a lot of, you know, 
we lost a couple drivers from movement up to IndyCar. And as a feeder series, you can't be sad when both your champion Kyle Kaiser and two drivers, Mateus Laced and Zach Clayman DeMello, both jump up to the IndyCar program. There's a budget able to do that, especially with some partial seasons like what Zach is doing. Uh, again, you know, we lost a couple of guys that we probably would have had back in the series this year. Also, the strength of the U.S. dollar and combined with some weak currency around the, uh, the world isn't making it easy for drivers to come up with a budget either. So there's a lot of things, I think, factors kind of playing into the, why we don't have a lot of cars in Indy Lights this year. Uh, but I think that when, when, once Carlin comes back next year, which I expect that they will do after having gotten you know, their feet wet and their, and their foundation laid in IndyCar, we'll see them back again with potentially two, three, or four cars. Uh, Carlin has such a good connection with all the racing going on over in Europe that once they now have this IndyCar program lined up, I think you're going to see drivers want to come into their Indy Lights uh, effort to be able to eventually one day potentially funnel into the Verizon IndyCar Series rides. Uh, for St. Petersburg, uh, let's look at a little bit of a positive. The late confer- uh, confirmation of Neil Alberico and Shelby Blackstock brought Team Pelfrey back to the paddock, which was big. We're sad that they're not going to be here this coming weekend, but to have them there in St. Petersburg, get them on the racetrack, and eventually get some pretty darn good results, it was good to see both Neil and Shelby back. A highlight, I think, uh, in terms of storylines for Indy Lights at St. Pete was the initial speed that Aaron Tielitz was able to show coming out of the gate. He really appeared to be the prime story uh, in terms of who we were going to watch run for the race wins. Qualified on pole for race number one, He indeed became the prime story, but definitely not for the reason uh, why he wanted that to happen. He flipped the script with the qualifying in race number two when he tagged the wall uh, in turn number three, ends up hammering the wall on the outside of that corner, uh, demolishing a race car, put him on the sidelines for race one. He was only able to get back for race number two after Blardy was able to get a loaner car from Carlin. To me, that was likely the biggest story of the weekend. Bellardi Auto Racing and that crew absolutely digging in, showing what that team was made of. They picked, I think they, I want to say they got the car at about midnight and then worked all night to get the thing done and prepped and ready for Aaron to get back on the grid for race number two. We'll talk more about the sad end of that uh, when we get to race two, but let's start with race number one. Aaron Tielitz being sidelined really opened the door for Patricia Award from Andretti Autosport to step into the starring role. He was quick. But I think everybody expected Aaron to come out of the box like he did last year and kind of jet away. He was strong last year at St. Petersburg, qualified pole. Had he been there, I think we would have all said, hey, he's going to be the contender. That's the guy everybody's going to be chasing. But with him gone, Patricio able to take the lead at the green and then walk away with a 6.6 second win. For Patricio to get out of the, out of the box with a race win, that's just like it's just throwing fuel, race fuel on the fire. For that young driver, he is going to be so stoked and so jacked to get ready to go. The driver, you know, from Mexican American, from Mexico, uh, has been uh, obviously lives in San uh, San Antonio and did it as a youngster. Um, I've known him for a long time, and, and if you give him the opportunity and that kind of momentum, that kind of confidence, wow, well, he's going to be strong. A little bit of a mistake on Sunday could have tempered that a little bit, but I don't think it's going to hold it back enough when we get to Barber this weekend. Uh, Santi Ruti and Colton Herta uh, finished second and third in what was really a pretty clean and uneventful race uh, in race number one. Um, Herta was able to get by, uh, rather, Ruti was able to get by Herta in the opening lap scramble in the, you know, in the first corner, the, the chaos uh, that we saw. Uh, he was able to settle into second and essentially run that spot. Herta fell back to fifth, and we, sh- we saw a little bit of, a, of what Colton's made of as he was able to get by for third, 
Then he uh, dogged Victor Franzoni, uh, who's running with the Bar- with the, uh, the Mazda Scholarship last year's Pro Mazda Champion running with Hunkos Racing this year. Uh, Heard able to, to run him down, uh, tried one deep move into turn number one, but overshot it, you know, set himself back up and tried it again a couple laps later. This time made it stick, didn't go quite as deep, and earned the position. So a really strong podium if you look at it in race number one for Indy Lights. You got Patricio Ward, you got Santi Arutia, and you've got Colton Herta. You've got three drivers who are going to run for the championship this year, no doubt about it. All right, moving to race number two. Of course, we're on track right before the Verizon IndyCar Series main event. Uh, what happened to Aaron Tielitz? The There was excitement on pit lane when he was back on, on track. You know, they had the blue uh, Carlin car with the Race Lake Weighing System sponsorship and the Bellardi Auto Racing uh, decals on it. This was his patchwork car that the team had put together. Uh, a Herculean effort to get Aaron back on the racetrack, and he was going to do what he could. They come out at turn number one for the first time. Victor Franzoni on the outside coming through turn one, that one-two combination where they ha- kind of have to jink back a little bit. There's a bit of a curb on the outside as they come out of one that allows drivers, you know, keeps them out of the wall there. Victor just got up on the curb, and it shot the car a bit to the right. Not a ton, but enough to get into the left rear of Aaron, loop the car around, and what could have been an unbelievable story ended very quickly as Aaron made severe contact with the wall, Victor able to continue, but Aaron out of the race again. So for a guy that we've seen come all the way through the Mazda Road to Indy multiple years in uh, USF 2000, uh, of course, into the Pro Mazda program, wins in the, in the first year in that battle with with uh, Pato Award, was strong last year, bookending the season in Indy Lights, his rookie season with wins at St. Petersburg and Watkins Glen. This is going to be the year for Aaron Tietz and a guy that just doesn't wreck race cars. Aaron's the kind of guy that brings a car home. You look at his career and the amount of laps he finished over the, over that Mazda Road to Indy career is crazy. I think I, I want to say the amount of laps he didn't finish was less than what he didn't finish at St. Petersburg. It's a stat like that. I know I know Steve Wittick uh, from Trackside Online TSO Ladder brought it out. It's amazing. And to see him struggle like that was tough. And he'll come back and it'll make him stronger. And he'll, it'll be an amazing storyline if he can do well at Barber and then continue a run of maybe stealing some points back throughout the year. But the bottom line is, it was the end of the weekend for Aaron Tielitz, and it was tough. With that chaos, out of it comes Colton Herta. But, the, uh, of course, ensuing restart, yellow flag comes, they clean the mess up. On, on the, the restart, they were barreled down into turn number one. Out of one, it's essentially Herta and... Uh, Award side by side, they race to turn number three, and Award just doesn't want to give it up. And he ends up pulling out, takes that lead. They go to turn four. It's the breaking zone craziness, and Award ends up with the lead. Uh, pretty impressive for him. He gets out to a dominant early lead. Herta takes up station in second, pushing hard to try to get close. And one of the things that everyone knows that Colton's trying to work with because he's such a raw talent, it's just kind of limiting those m- mistakes you can make on track. We saw him do a number of those last year. Uh, that's one thing he's going to work on this year. And he tagged the wall in turn number eight while running second, and it was it was tough. I know that uh, in trying to chat with him after the race, while the race was still going on, when he got brought back to the Andretti uh, Steinbrenner pit area, that his uh, his position on pit road, not happy at all. Didn't want to talk whatsoever, and I understand that completely. He was dejected and, and was beating up on himself, and and that's what a lot of race car car drivers we do. They'll they get really hard on themselves, but they'll they'll bounce back. And I think uh, Colton's going to have, have a good weekend at, at Barber as well. Regardless, 
He goes out while trying to chase back for the lead. That opens things up again for Urrutia to move to second. And then so we're thinking, okay, Ward's going to win this. Urrutia's going to get second. Pato's going to sweep the weekend. But he overcooks it going into turn number four. Pushes the braking zone while trying to pull away. Takes the escape route. Spins the car around nicely. Urrutia flies through. For all, for, you would expect that he was going to be able to come back out to second or third. He had that kind of a gap, but he stalled it coming back out onto the racetrack. Ends up going to the tail of the field, and they have to go yellow to get him restarted. Uh, tough for, for Pato. Um, and what it does, it gives Urrutia an opportunity to inherit the lead. He runs away to the race win. His first of the season. His seventh career uh, race win uh, on the Mazda Road to Indy. Um, and... He takes the point lead going to Barber in the process. Here, here's a deal for Urrutia, a guy that you know has always struggled here. It never really has had a really good uh, weekend at Bar- at, uh, at St. Petersburg. There's always been some kind of issue, one DNF, whatever it may be, or one race that just wasn't great. He, le- he leaves uh, St. Petersburg this year with the point lead, and I think that is going to be big for Santi Urrutia because the season just getting off on the right foot. Uh, strong, consistent run for Shelby Blackstock for Team Pelfrey in race number two. Of course, he's taken takes advantage of the Herta issue. He takes advantage of uh, Pato Award driving off. Blackstock scores his best career Indy Lights uh, finish in second spot. Ryan Norman gets in the middle of an awesome battle with Neil Alberico. There was almost two Team Pelfrey cars on the podium, but Norman got into the back of Neil coming through turn number one. The left front edge of Norman's wing cut the right rear of Neil Alberico. It didn't take but a half a lap for Neil to have a flat tire. Uh, that allowed Norman to slip through. He takes his first career Indy Lights podium in third spot. All in all, a lot of chaos in race number two. Kind of a stark contrast to what we saw in race number one. As an overview... Costly mistakes, pretty much the primary talking point of the weekend. Uh, Aaron Tealeth, that big wreck in qualifying, uh, qualifying for race two. Already had the pole for race one. And he was actually on the provisional pole for race number two, and he made the mistake, which is tough, tough to take. Uh, but you're pushing. He's wanted more. Uh, but that mistake was big. Franzoni into Tealeth at the start of race number two. That was an unforced error that just didn't need to happen. Uh, heard it into the wall in race two. Again, unforced error while running second. Take that second and run away with it. And, of course, Pato Award had a chance to sweep the weekend, but does not. Overshoots the T4 entry uh, while leading race number two. He would have left with a dominant point lead. Instead, Santi Arruti is going to go to Barber, uh, sitting on top of the charts. Bottom line, impressed with the consistency and maturity of Santi Arruti. That's one of my takeaways for Indy Lights, because in watching Santi, there was a consistency and a calmness when he won the Pro Mazda Championship. Uh, back in 14, right? 14? 15. Let me get that right. Back in 15. Uh, in 16, he came in with the, the Mazda scholarship, but he, ha- he had to prove himself. He knew that if he won the championship, he, he could go to the Verizon IndyCar Series. And when you get a guy with not a lot of budget and realizing that the scholarship's what you need, you push hard. Santi struggled. He, he had some great runs. And then, of course, the way the season finished at the end with the Ed Jones, Santi Arutia deal, uh, and the way that, you know, the way the championship got won, that's going to that's going to really affect somebody emotionally. He kind of had the same thing when he was at Barber, rather at Barber, at Bellardi Auto Racing last year, where it took him almost half the year to settle into the, the position. He came from Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, came over with Tim Neff to Bellardi Auto Racing. It was just a different culture there uh, under the, you know, the watchful eye of Brian Bellardi. It's just the way he runs his team. And I think it took a little while for Santi, just to, maybe everybody, to settle in the, the mixture of, 
of the different uh, cultures and the personalities, you know, Tim Neff and Kent Boyer and kind of everybody coming together with John Bruner and the drivers. Once they all gelled, we saw what they did at the end of the season. You know, Santi winning races. You've got Shelby Blackstock last year running tremendously. Then you had Aaron Tielitz winning at Watkins Glen. That team eventually won the team championship, but they were dominant, uh, let's say potentially dominant near the end of the season. They just had such a great run. If they can get that magic back with Santi and Aaron to really start getting that momentum going, Bellardi Auto Racing could be on the way to get another uh, championship in the Indy Lights program. If we look at the points as we're getting ready to cap off this first edition of the Mazda Road to Indy Insider Podcast. Again, my name is Rob Howden. Great to have you joining us. Lots to come. I've got an interview with Stingray Rob. They're going to try to get out before this weekend. Uh, you'll want to listen to that as well. Stingray's an awesome kid. Let's look at the points for Indy Lights. As I said, uh, Santi Iruta, Irutia leaving St. Pete with the point lead. In 2017, he was fourth coming out of Florida. He was 26 points back. And you think about the fact that we've had championships in the past that were tied for first at the end of the season, or one, two, three points. Pato Awards win uh, in race one keeps him in second. Uh, he is actually eight points back. Uh, lots of confidence for Pato Award uh, after his first Indy Lights win. Again, 26 points back was Ruchi. I'll correct myself. 26 points back in 2017. He has an eight-point lead this time. So a nice 34-point swing in terms of where he sits. Bottom line, if you're talking Indy Lights and what you expected to see happen when we kicked off this season, the biggest hit was Aaron Tielitz. Although, if anything plays to Aaron, it's the short field. We only had nine cars. He was still able to log 19 points. Now, he's going to have to claw back. And if you think about how many points he's got to come back, every race he's just got to claw a couple of points back. In a couple of years ago, when he was battling with his teammate at Team Pelfrey for the Pro Mazda Championship Pato Award, Pato came out of the box and went on a streak of race wins. And it wasn't until Road America where Aaron was able to flip the switch. And when it happened, he used all those remaining races just to claw back points. He's done it before, so he can do it again. If Aaron Tielitz can get himself into a, a good spot, if he can have a strong run at Barber, if he can go to the Indy GP and win a couple of races, we know that he could almost win the, the Freedom 100. He was on the outside of Mateus Lace last year and almost won the Freedom himself. He likes that racetrack, and he'll hang it on the outside. If he can get any kind of points clawed back by the time we get to the Freedom, Aaron Tielitz will make something happen and turn things around. Let's look forward to Barber Motorsports Park because that's when really the storyline will start to fuel itself. Only eight cars, which is going to be tough, but it also allows people to kind of settle in and go racing and not have to worry if you do get a DNF. That could change things a little bit. Uh, it's a huge weekend for Teal's to come back. He needs to come in and recover. Uh, there is potential rain coming for Sunday. And I think if you were at Watkins Glen last year or watched Watkins Glen, he's easily the best returning driver in terms of running in the wet he just he gets it he's good in the wet and if it rains on Sunday at Barber for the Indy Lights race I would put my money on Aaron Tielitz that would be huge for him to come back uh Yeruti was quick as well in the wet at, at uh, Watkins Glen but not as fast as Aaron but Santi's got all this momentum coming in he's got confidence and he's got that wiggle room he's got eight points against uh, ahead of of Pato Award, so there is an opportunity uh, for him to get a couple, if he, a couple of podiums is all he needs, and he'll stay in the hunt. That said, <laughs> back to 2017, Colton Hurdo was actually 
uh, one of the winners at Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, Nico Jamin won the other race. So what do you say? Uh, and Dreddy Autosports got a pretty good setup for that racetrack with the uh, the Delora IL-15. So Herta will be right in there as well. Biggest news, as I had said off the top of this Indy Lights part, uh, this component, uh, no Team Pelfrey this weekend. Uh, no Alberico, no Blackstock. Um, I'm super sad not to see those guys continuing after watching the development they've done over the last couple of years. We will we will see Alfonso Solis back. He's going to make his debut with, with, with Juncos Racing. So we're going to end up with eight cars, but eight quality drivers, and I think that's key. Uh, the bottom line is we could have 16 cars, and we'd have you know eight drive. You know you'd have the the bottom group, the middle group, and the top group. We've got guys here from the top group who are going to battle it out for the championship this year. That is the preview for the Indy Lights program, and that is the first edition of the Road to Indy Insider podcast. My name is Rob Howden. I'm glad you joined us. Uh, lots more to come throughout this 2018 season. Uh, feel free to send me any kind of comments you like. Of course, we'll have this up on the uh, Road to Indy Insider Facebook page on Twitter as well. Feel free to comment there. Give us some feedback. Who do you want me to interview? What are your thoughts on the podcast? What should I be talking about? I just figured I'd get things underway. Let's start this thing. Let's get out of the gate. I decided I'd have a look at the, the, the race that we just were at. I previewed the race coming up. I want to do more of that for the 2018 season. But again, I have an interview with Stingray Rob coming around the corner as well. Hoping to get that published on Thursday so you can get a little up close and personal with the young driver out of Idaho. Again, this wraps things up. My first ever edition of the Road to Indy Insider. Thanks for joining me.